Hey, before I uh, jump into my message this morning, let me just uh, talk to you um, heart-to-heart, pastor-to-congregation for a second. Um, Last year, we took a a step of faith. Um, Salvador Hernandez, who uh, was pastoring a congregation, a Spanish congregation here that met at our church, uh, we felt led to wrap our arms around him, bring Salvador onto our staff, and embrace their congregation as a part of Chartel. Uh, it was a step of faith because it was a, a pretty sizable boost to our, our budget. And uh, we added him in about halfway through last year, and we were able to kind of break even last year. Um, but along with everything else, you've discovered us everywhere you go, the costs have gone up. And this year we have uh, Salvador and the congregation for a full year. And with the rising cost of everything else, um, as we've started out this budget year, I've got to be honest with you, we're, we've fallen behind. And uh, the reason I want to say that now, uh, we're three months uh, into our budget, uh, is that I know for December, for a lot of people, is kind of catch-up month, and it's uh, a lot of people do their year-end giving, all that kind of stuff. And it's just, you don't know if I don't tell you, and so just for your information, we are about probably thirty to $40,000 behind budget at this point. And uh, the good news is, um, we are blessed as a congregation. Uh, In fact, I've pastored here in January, I will have completed 14 years uh, being here at Chartel. And uh, I've never been a part of a congregation that is, has really, literally has been as blessed as we are. Um, We are debt free. Uh, We do have money in reserves, uh, but uh, it's not like we're going to bounce checks or anything, but um, we're not like the government. We don't, we don't get to print money. So we rely on the giving of our people to, to make that work. And so uh, just need you to know that as you think about your in giving, as you think about causes that you can give to, uh, as you think about how much God has done for you, I just want to encourage you, uh, please give. Um, and, you know, we're going to continue to to move forward down the road. Uh, but if we stay in a deficit at some point here in the next few months as a board, uh, we'll be forced to try to make decisions about how we can cut budget, things that we can do. And uh, we really don't want to do that. We will if we have to, but we don't want to. So, uh, again, I would just invite you to just prayerfully consider uh, what God might want to do through you to help with that. And if you have any questions about any of that, please feel free to call me, talk to one of our board members, and we'd be happy happy to, to, to talk to you about that. We just need to be honest with you about where things are. Now, again, we did this uh, as a step of faith. And um, I don't know about you, but I've discovered at times in my life that God has been able to provide even when you think he's not going to provide. In fact, how many of you can look back and say, you know what, there have been some times and places in my life that God showed up in ways that I just didn't expect it at all. Can, you, can anybody say, yeah, that was me? Yeah. And so again, we, we believe the same thing. Um, and we're going we're gonna to believe and trust God and we're going to keep moving forward. I thought it was funny because I, I, as we were thinking about this, I thought I really need to, I want to talk about this before we get to December. And it's so funny how it hit because today uh, in the series that I've laid out, that's exactly what I'm going to be talking about is God's ability to meet us in our need. You know, we've talked about God meeting us in our fear. We've talked about God meeting us in our grief. Uh, We've talked about God even meeting us in our sin. Uh, But today, I want to talk about God's ability to meet you in your need. Now, I don't know what your need is today. 
Your, your need may be financial. Your need may be uh, for wisdom of things that you're having to uh, decide about and you're thinking about the future and you need God's guidance with that. Uh, for some of you, you're, you've just been running on empty and your need is for God to give you strength uh, that you don't have. Uh, maybe some of you are facing some situations and you're saying, you know what, Pastor Steve, unless God opens this up and makes a way where there seems to be no way, I don't know how I'm gonna get through. Don't know what your need is, but this is what I do know. God is able to meet that need. Amen? Amen? Yeah, you betcha. I wanna, wanna look at a passage of scripture, a story from John chapter six. It's a great story. So apropos, I, I think, for, for all of us and the things that we face in life. Now, we're gonna throw that up on the, on the screen for you. It's John chapter six. We're gonna read the first 15 verses. We're gonna do that from the New Living Translation. By the way, there are Bibles in the pews in front of you. Uh, that's the New International Version or the Spanish Bible. And those are our gift to you. If you need a Bible, please feel free to take one. If you have a friend who needs one, take one for them. Look at this, we'll look at this story together. It says, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people uh, to, coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? <laughs> Great question. And uh, he was testing Philip because he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. And so they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Commentators say there were probably 10,000 or more people actually there. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and he distributed them to the people. And afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. And so they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with the scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. And when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. And when Jesus saw they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. Now, again, with your own need in the back of your mind today, I, I want to I come back to this story, and I, and I want to give you uh, five principles that really jumped out at me as I was sitting with this text earlier in the week, and I, I told Wanda, I said, I've got way too much material. I really need about an hour and a half to kind of really walk, walk through this, but I'm going to do it in an hour. Is that okay with you? We're gonna, we, we, no, we'll get through quicker than that. we got Salvador and his crew coming in. we got to get done. I want to give you five principles. I'm going to give them to you fairly quick, and I want you to just open your heart and let the Lord speak to you about which one might be where you're at. You ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. Don't be paralyzed by the need. Be energized by the possibility. Don't be paralyzed by the need. Be energized by the possibility. 
most, not maybe most of us, but many of us at least are a lot like Philip when we get uh, in front of a, a situation that looks huge, it's easy just to kind of throw up our hands and say, that's it, we're done. Uh, there's, no way, there's, there's no way this is gonna happen. You know, Philip was like, you know, Jesus, what do you mean? Where are we gonna get bread to feed these people? If we work for months, we couldn't do it. In other words, there, there's no possible way this can happen. And, and when we look at things like that, it's so easy to get lost in that. It's so easy to get lost in, in what we're staring at. For example, you know, if God calls you to step into a role or, or God calls you to step into a position or a situation, it's so easy to look at that and you go, you know what, I, I don't have what it takes for that. I'm not gifted enough for that. I'm not, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough in front of people or I'm not, I, I'm not you know, wise enough to, to do this or to lead. And, and you know what, you're absolutely right. But God doesn't call us or nudge us because of who we are. He does it because of who he is. What you can't do, he can. That's why Paul said, I can do what? All things through Christ who gives me the strength. And Philip got blinded. He got paralyzed by, you know, by, by the stuff that was in front of him, by the need, rather than understanding this is a faith moment that you have to be able to trust God. Because when we operate in faith, God responds. I love, I love the text of scripture in Mark chapter nine, verse 23. And remember the story, it was a man who had a son who was epileptic and he kept throwing himself into the fire. He's going through all this. And when Jesus came off the mountain and your father saw him, he said, you know, Lord, if, if you can do something, you know, would you please make him well? Look at what Jesus says. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Read it with me, church. Anything is possible if a person believes. Faith opens that door. One of my, one of my favorite stories is the old story about the, uh, about the man who walked up to where these kids were playing this little league baseball game. And the guy walked up behind the fence and he was behind the dugout and there was a, a little guy sitting in the, in the dugout and the, the man leaned down and he said, hey, how's the game going? And the, the boy turned around and said, well, we're behind 18 to nothing. And the guy said, wow, you must really be discouraged. And the kid said, discouraged? What do you mean discouraged? We haven't been up to bat yet, you know. <laughs> And you gotta love that, you know, glass half empty or the glass half full, well, here's the deal. Do you see the need or do you see God? Because that's what'll drive your faith. You see, I put this on your outline. Doubt says, Lord, I don't think this can be done. Faith says, look, I don't know, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I know that you are. Amen? You bet. Here's a second principle from the story. Even if it's small, give what you do have to God. Even if it's small, give what you do have to God. Don't you find it interesting out of this whole crowd of people that Jesus could have chosen from that it was this little boy who just had this little sack lunch with him who heard what was going on and out of a heart of generosity just offered it to Jesus. Now, again, just think with me for a second. If you're one of the disciples and, and you're there and you've never seen Jesus do this kind of thing before and this little kid said, well, I've got a lunch, I'll be happy to share it. 
And they're all like, yeah, they're looking at this crowd, 10,000 people and you know, a couple of fish, a few loaves of bread. And they're going, are you, are, you know, really? But yet, you know, Andrew says, you know, Jesus, this, this is what we've got, you know, but, but what is this among so many? And Jesus said, oh, glad you asked. And it was out of that small gift that God did something magnificent. Now, this is, I want you to grab this. Because sometimes God is waiting for us to take a small step of faith before he releases his power upon us. Sometimes God is wanting, wanting to know, are you willing to put some skin in the game? Are, are you really willing to live by what you say you believe? Are, are you willing to do that? Because when we can take that small step of faith, that opens the door for God to do great things. I love the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Read it out loud with me, church. I tell you the truth. If you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Read that last sentence again. Nothing would be impossible. That's why I put the statement on your outline. God loves to create with us and not just without us. You see, all the times that we, we often will go, I wish God would do something, I wish God would do something. And sometimes God is saying, I wish you would do something first. I wish you would take a step of faith because then I can take that and make something marvelous and you will understand what I can do with what you've got. I love it. Steve Spears sent me this picture this week. He had no idea what I was preaching, but I thought this was so cool. Look at it. He says, step back. I have a mustard seed and I am not afraid to use it. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for that, Steve. I love that. I've got a mustard seed, and I'm not afraid to use it. When I was, at, when I was in Phoenix, um, we, were, uh, we were meeting in a uh, gymnasium when I got there, and we had multiplied to, to three services, actually four services, one on Saturday night, three on Sunday morning. And we were, we were needing some new worship space. It was funny because, um, you know, we were doing, it was, it was a gym. And there were some people who weren't really happy to have their wedding at a free throw line. You know, they just didn't like that, you know, which I thought was kind of cool. But some people didn't, you know, just didn't like that. Um, so we, were, we decided we, it was time to, to build a new worship center. And I'll never forget the, uh, the Sunday that I announced to the congregation. Uh, the board has decided we're going to start moving forward. We're going to start making plans to build a new worship center. And everybody was excited. You know, we're finally going to take this step. Church had been there for years and years. And um, after the service, it was so cool. After the service, this young guy came up to me. His name was Ian, maybe 12, 13 years old. Um, Ian was, was kind of sickly. He was suffering from cystic fibrosis. Um, he, but he came up to me after the service and a big grin on his face. And he said, Pastor Steve, you said we're going to build a new worship center. And I said, yep. He said, well, we're going to have to have a building fund campaign then. He goes, and I want to be the first to donate. And he had a $5 bill in his hand. And I took his $5 bill and I said, well, thank you, Ian. Are you sure? He said, yep. And he walked away, big grin on his face. And I asked his mom, I said, Ian just gave me five bucks uh, for the building fund. And she laughed. She said, well, that's his, you know, that's his tender heart. She said that was, he had his very first babysitting job last Friday night and he made five bucks and he was so happy to do it. And evidently the building fund thing 
touched his heart. So he wanted to do that. And I thought that was so cool. Fast forward, uh, sometime later, uh, as we were announcing, we're going to be starting a building fund and we're going to challenge people to give above and beyond their regular giving to give to this fund so we can build this worship center. And I told the story about Ian's $5. And I said, when I told the people we're going to have a building fund, I said, we've already got our first contribution. I said, little Ian already gave five bucks to get us started. And everybody clapped and cheered and everybody was excited. But what happened, what was so wild, was what happened in the hearts of people when they saw a young guy. Ian died just a few years later. He didn't live very long. But but what, what happened for the people when they saw this little kid who was willing to give his all, how people just dug down and gave. In fact, out of that, we end up getting one gift of stock that was worth a quarter of a million dollars. All because one little kid gave five bucks. Don't ever underestimate the small gifts you give to God. Amen? You betcha. Third thought I want to give you out of the text is this one. Trust God to meet all your needs and not just some of them. Trust God to meet all your needs and not just some of them. Love the passage of scripture from Philippians 4.19. It's our memory verse for the week. Read it out loud with me, church. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now circle the word all. Interesting that when you read the text, what you discover is the reason that this crowd of people gathered was because they had seen Jesus heal people. Um, and God does heal, amen? He, he is our Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals us. In fact, uh, this last week, I saw a good friend of mine on, on Facebook. Throw that picture up on the screen. Um, this is a young man. This is Travis Inman on the right, uh, handsome devil, and his wife, Michelle. Uh, Travis pastors a church in Indiana, and I had the privilege of coaching him for a while. And uh, Travis posted a story on Facebook that was so cool. Uh, it, was, it was a wild story. He was talking about his father uh, was outside of his home, his own home there, uh, and burning some bush and stuff. Just had a little fire going. He was trying to burn some different things. And while he was burning this trash stuff, whatever it was, beside his house, he blacked out. And the fire ended up catching fire into the, his father's house, and it burned their house down. Uh, fortunately, fortunately, and supernaturally, uh, God watched over the father. The father was, he was, he suffered from smoke inhalation, uh, had some burns, but he wasn't, he, he survived it all. There was nobody in the house. They lost the home, but his father ended up in the hospital. And Travis said, this was what was crazy. He said his father, as he was, as they were doing tests and they were doing various things, running various tests on him, he said what they discovered, he said they came out and they said, Travis said, and we were doing the ultrasound and stuff, we discovered your father has a mass completely around his heart. And they said, if, if this thing has got to be removed right away, he said, he won't live another four weeks w- with this mass. And Travis says, you know, here we are, you know, we're all down in the mouth about the fact that my father's house burned down and that he ended up in the hospital. But if he hadn't ended up in the hospital, he would be dead. And Travis said, isn't God amazing how in what we call a tragedy, he shows up and steps in and takes care of what we need, even when we didn't know that we needed. In fact, throw that picture up on the screen. This is his dad, 
um, who was in, was in the hospital at the time. Now throw the next picture up. This is just when Travis and his dad were, his dad was just getting ready to get out and all that kind of great stuff. Um, but, but again, God is a healer. God can do that. And these people in the crowd, they all gathered because he was a healer. But here's the deal. There were a lot bigger needs in that crowd than just physical healing. There were people who were lost spiritually and needed to be saved. There were people who were dealing with stuff in their life way beyond having an empty stomach. You know, there, there were people in that crowd who, who had no sense of, of where they are or, or, or who they were. And as I was reading the story and I was thinking about how locked in, sometimes we get that God can, maybe God can heal a body, maybe God can do this, but God can meet the deeper needs of your life. God can heal for those of us who have had been through tormented past. God has the ability to heal the tortured past that we have. For those of us who, who are struggling with a sense of identity and we're, we're trying to find out who we are, God can meet that deep need and give us that sense of identity as a child of God. Please don't miss this. God is the one, the only one, who can give us the sense of wholeness that we need. Please hear my heart. There are people who spend a lifetime trying to find that person who will meet all their needs. Look at me. They don't exist. God alone can complete you. Amen? And when you find wholeness in Christ, that's when you can actually live and be in healthy love relationships with other people. What I've discovered is if you're not whole on the inside with God, you won't love people, you'll just use them. You'll use them to meet a need for you. We have to become whole, and Christ can meet all of those needs. I love the passage of Scripture, Psalm 147.3. Read it with me. He heals those who have a broken heart. He heals their sorrows. How about this, Psalm 68, 6. God places the lonely in families. He sets prisoners free and gives them joy. You know, I don't know what needs you may have, but here's what I want you to understand. God can meet the deepest needs you've got, no matter what they are. Can I give you a fourth lesson? Be a good steward of the blessings of God. Be a good steward of the blessings of God. Matthew 25, one of the things that Jesus teaches, he says, you know what, you, you need to be able to be faithful with small things before God can really bless you with bigger things. And I thought of that when I was, when I was reading the story and, and don't you find it interesting in the story that when, when the people had eaten all that they needed, all that they wanted, don't you find it interesting that Jesus didn't just leave the leftovers there on the field? What did he do? Remember? Yeah. He said, collect them. And so how many baskets were left? Twelve. 
12, about as many as you had after Thanksgiving. You know, they, you know, they get all this food, you get a refrigerator. Well, that's, you know, Jesus didn't waste that. He, he collected all of that food. The disciples most likely took that with them for their next trip. You know, they had, they had stuff that all be provided. And I, and I thought about, isn't that God that he wants to pour out his blessing? Now, here's what I want you to understand. There are many of us who would say, oh, this was such a blessing of God. That, that was such a blessing of God. And do you, when that happened, do you regard that as something sacred? And do you guard it? And do you become a good steward with it? Because that's part of our responsibility is when God pulls out, pours out himself on us is for us to be good stewards of what he's given us. Can I give you one more? This one hurts a bit. God loves us so much that he gives us what we need but not everything we want. Let that one sink in a second. God loves us so much that he gives us what we need, but not everything we want. You get to the end of this story, and what you discover is after a people who had already seen Jesus heal, and now they, they found out that he could multiply food. You remember what it said? It said, man, this, this must be the prophet that we've been waiting on. And if you read the text, it says, and so they went to make him what? King. And we, man, this guy, so we, we want him, we want him to be our king. Was Jesus interested in being their king? Why? Wouldn't that be a cool thing to be a king? He was already a king. <laughs> he, didn't need, he didn't need men to acknowledge that. He was the king of kings. He, did, he didn't need that. But here, here's the more important. It wasn't what Jesus needed. It wasn't what they needed. They didn't need a king, gang. They needed a savior. That's what they needed. You know, they, they didn't need someone who could just give them food every day or, or take care of whatever sores or illnesses they had. They needed someone who could change them from the inside out. That's what Jesus came to do. He didn't say, I, I came to feed people and become king. He said, I've come to seek and save the lost. I came to change lives, to set people who are in captivity free. Now, the reason this is so important is because many of us get angry at God when he doesn't operate the way that we want him to. You know, when we see that God can do some pretty cool stuff, we, we start turning to God like he's our genie in a bottle. And, you know, when we, we say a prayer and we get to the end and we go in, in Jesus' name, you know, believing that we just say that incantation, whatever we want is magically going to happen. Look at me. I love you, but that's not the way it works. God is not going to be controlled. Jesus didn't allow them what they wanted. He did give them what they needed. Now, here's the question. When God doesn't give you what you want, how do you deal with that? Can you trust him? I love the passage of scripture. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of my favorite verses of scripture from the Bible. Read it with me, church. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. 
That's why I put the statement there at the bottom, and it's a good one just to camp on maybe this week. We praise God when we get what we want, but do we trust him when he only gives us what we need? The story of a young girl who was about five or six years old really hadn't um, been off the farm growing up and been just a, again, five or six years old. And her mom decided to take her on a little trip on a train and wanted to take her cross country to, to, to her grandmother, see her grandmother. And so they got on the train. Of course, the little girl who's never really traveled before was looking out the window and she's just fascinated by all the things that she sees. And as they're, as they're heading down the track, the, the girl looks up and she sees uh, the water of a river up ahead. And she can see that we're, as a train, that they're headed out. Now, she can't see straight down the tracks because she's looking out the window to the side. So she can't see that there's a bridge up there. All she, see, all she knows is that we're a train heading toward the water. And she starts getting a little bit panicky. And, and as they got to the, got course to the river, the girl's like, you know, like this. And of course, all, you know, they start going across this bridge and the girl's fascinated that she can actually look across the water. And of course that happened over and over again. And she became less and less anxious, realizing that they're not going to go into the water, that there are bridges along the way. And, and, and she got to the, the destination and was getting off the train and her grandmother came up to greet her. She came running up and she hugged her grandma and squeezed her. She said, Grandma, Grandma, someone placed bridges all along the way so we could be here. So true. And I think for... Some of us, that's kind of how we're going to be in life one day. We're going to look back and we're going to see places that we thought were impassable. We're going to see places that we thought we could never get through. We're going to look back at places where we thought there was no way to the other side of this. And here's what we'll discover. Our God made bridges for us all along the way. Amen. I'm going to ask my prayer partners if you guys would go ahead and come on down to the front and ask Rachel to lead us in a response song. And she, she picked a great one, an old hymn that says, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." And I don't, I don't know what you need today. I don't know what you're going through. I, I don't know what challenges you're facing or what might be weighing heavy on you today. But here, here's what I know with all my heart. God is able to meet you at your point of need. And this morning, if you would like someone to pray with you, um, while we sing this song, I want to invite you to slip out and you can come to any one of these three who are up front and they'd be more than happy just to, just to pray with you, to ask God to have his hand of healing or provision or strength upon you. Whatever it is that you need, they'll be happy to pray with you according to that. And today, we're going to trust God to see us through to the other side. God will make bridges for you if you'll trust him. Oh Lord, that's our prayer today that we could trust you when we can't see the road ahead. We are often, Lord, like Philip, we, we look at the need on that hillside of thousands of people. And 
we have no idea what in the world it would take to take care of all of that. Sometimes, Lord, we look at our situations and they seem so big. They seem so impenetrable. They seem so overwhelming that sometimes, Lord, we, we lose sight of who you are. We forget that you are Lord God Almighty. We forget that you created this universe, ex nihilo, out of nothing. But we forget that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And we forget that you are the God who can meet us right here in our need. And so, Father, for every single person watching online, for every single person in this room that is opening their hearts to you, you know their need, you know where they're at, you know what they are going through. Lord, would you draw near? Would you come alongside of them? Would you put your great arm of comfort and provision around them? And would you let them know you have every intention of building a bridge to get them to the other side? Lord, we love you. We believe in you. Teach us now how to trust you. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, 